Hello and welcome to Rivers of Faith. This is our first episode of a audio-visual podcast produced by the Hudson River Presbytery, where we are hoping to capture everything that's going on in this uh, wonderful presbytery of ours, whether it be the uh, initiatives that are going on or the ministries that churches, pastors, and other leaders are doing to embody the mission of our uh, collective group here and and engaging God's mission, um, the passions that people have, building partnerships, nurturing strong leadership, and creating healthy and vital congregations and communities of faith. So we welcome you to this first episode of Rivers of Faith, and we are excited to, to have you here with us this morning. And it feels right that on this first episode, we are joined by Deb Deborah Milkerick, uh, who is our General Presbyter of Hudson River Presbytery. So good morning, Deb. Good morning, Casey. I'm, I'm so happy to be with you to launch this new project. This is this is really exciting. Thank you. I know, and, and it's really encouraging to see, you know, how much interest has been generated already by folks in the Presbytery who already have lots of ideas of what they would want to share as well. <laughs> so you're booked so, for the next year, right? I yeah, get it. Yeah. That's great. Our, our calendar's pretty full. <laughs> uh, but before we dive into some of our topics that we have this morning, uh, I figure it would be fun to, to start off each episode, perhaps with sort of a drink report. You know, um, what, what has your morning beverage been or your beverage before uh, coming to record uh, is... Uh, you could probably guess mine, uh, though. Uh, it'd be fun to check in uh, with what your um, pre-morning um, beverage has been. Well, thank you. That's an interesting question. My my uh, my my uh, morning beverage is the same every single solitary morning, uh, and this it varies just a little bit. But this morning is um, uh, Guatemalan coffee which is uh, recommended highly by the coffee roasters that came from your recommendation, Casey, (laughs) and from whom I receive a shipment once a month of four packages of coffee. Uh, And I'm really excited. It's delicious. Thank you so much. Is that Tug Tug Hill, right? Oh, yeah. Tug Hill Roasters. They don't sponsor us, but I mean, hey, you know, who who knows down the line? That would be great. That's right. Uh, (laughs) Very reasonable and very smooth coffee that is delicious every morning. Although I don't make my coffee quite as complicated as you do. I could never do that prior to having a cup of coffee. So uh, I'm very impressed with with your uh, with your process. (laughs) Well, I I know. And um, who who knows? uh, Maybe there's other people in the Presbytery who would love to have a, a coffee conversation. That that would be fun. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. We know, uh, as I was thinking about, you know, some of these um, shared interests, at least, and in things like our coffee and uh, how we like to have our coffee. Uh, I, I was realizing recently, though, that I, I didn't really know much about your work prior to coming to Hudson River Presbytery. And from what I remember, you and I. You started uh, down here in Hudson River Presbytery uh, before I did, but it, it feels like we were both somewhat new when, right. when I came down to the, to the Presbytery. Right. And I'm sure that there's others here who are, you know, members of congregations or worshiping communities, um, maybe not so much pastors or other church leaders, uh, <laughs> but uh, perhaps uh, I thought it'd be great to, to start off with just getting to know uh, a little more about, about you. Well, great. Sure. Um, and as a matter of fact, and it just occurred to me, 
Uh, November 1st is my official anniversary date with Hudson oh. River Presbytery. So uh, as of November 1st, in a couple of weeks, I will have been here two uh, two years, two of the shortest years of my entire life, I think, but two <laughs> wow. years. Uh, that's, that's really amazing. But um, well, I guess I need to, I'll back up just a little bit. Um, you know, I was I was raised a Catholic, <laughs> so so I was raised a very strict Catholic. I went to 6 a.m. Mass every single Sunday of my life as a child. Uh, I went through First Communion, Catholic school, and in college, I started dating this guy from a Presbyterian church. Um, I had no idea what that meant. I knew that there was one true church. <laughs> I had no idea what Presbyterian was. So we went to church together. And I remember thinking, why are these people trying to talk to me? <laughs> I was used to going into a building and, and worshiping and leaving, checking off that, that box, sometimes late Saturday evening, sometimes early Sunday morning. But you know, at the same time, I was attending Loyola University, which is a Catholic college in Baltimore, getting my business degree. And we were uh, required to take a full year of religion classes mm-hmm. at Loyola. So when Sister Ann, uh, <laughs> when Sister Ann talked about how hard I would need to work for salvation, I would run back to Reverend. Uh, Reichert at Havenwood Presbyterian Church, where he explained about salvation and grace. (laughs) And so when Sister Ann uh, would talk about priests and their intercessory responsibilities, I would run back to Reverend Reichert and say, you know, what is this about? And he'd say, well, there's nobody between you and God. There's no person between you and God. And I really, really got them going over the idea of uh, transubstantiation. (laughs) (laughs) So so while it was fun for me uh, at the time uh, to go back and forth between them, I was really learning a lot. And after that class, I became a full-fledged member of the Presbyterian Church. And of course, within months, I was asked to be an elder. Uh, Uh, Of course. uh, I'm not sure that that's what Sister Anne had in mind, but that is what happened. Uh, So when I left college, I went to work for T. Rowe Price, then I went to work for NCR, and then I became a stay-at-home mom. And I picked up the phone as I was, as I usually did back then, and started complaining to my church about the Sunday school program. And finally, the administrator there was so tired of me, she said, you know, there's a job opening here. If you don't like it, why don't you take the job and make it better? And I said, well, maybe I will. (laughs) And I did. So I became the CE director slash youth leader of this congregation. A couple months, a couple years down the road, a big steeple church in Baltimore offered to double my salary if I went to work for them, which of course I did. Uh, And and I worked there for five years. Uh, The end of that, I was thinking, I've got to get away from this church stuff. I've just got to get away from this church stuff. So I worked on my master's in social work, my MSW degree. And I went from wanting to become a psychotherapist into community organizing. And I loved it. I worked with um, retirees in AFSCME, which is the uh, state government uh, union in 
Maryland. Mm. And I worked a lot organizing in Annapolis uh, politically for their retirees so that they could hang on to the benefits that were promised to them in retirement. And during this time, the Presbyterian Baltimore uh, put, a, put a notice out looking for an associate for mission and justice. And I just went, no, <laughs> I just said, I really thought it was time for me to leave the church. But then when I saw that job, I knew it was my job. It was my job. And I told them that this is my job. Uh, so when I started that job back in 2005, I used the basic sort of tenements of community organizing, tenants of community organizing, to further the work of justice that we did as a presbytery. But I also knew, you know, I had learned that the real work of, of justice is done on the ground in the community. And that just like uh, big union statements didn't mean a whole lot to the politicians in Annapolis. I'm pretty sure that big presbytery statements didn't mean a whole lot to the members of the presbytery unless the people in the pews were on board. Yeah. So I organized. Um, I organized around gun violence. I organized around uh, partnerships in Cuba and Guatemala and on the Pine Ridge. Indian Reservation, which, by the way, partnerships are not functional unless the congregations and their members are deeply involved with those partnerships. So, you know, it was great. It was fabulous work. But as we've seen uh, lately, the church is constantly changing. And the church is certainly at its best when we're pivoting, uh, when we're making those changes as well. So my work in Baltimore started to evolve and it became more about organizing uh, congregations in their communities. So sort of allowing congregations or encouraging congregations to ask questions like, you know, if, if this church didn't exist tomorrow, uh, what would people miss? Uh, if this church didn't exist tomorrow, you know, what would people other than the members miss? Um, particularly, like, why, why does God see fit to have this building on this corner this year? Not 1970, but this year. And, and I really uh, encourage congregations to start asking, who is my neighbor? Who really is my neighbor? What does that even mean? And, and, you know, Casey, I really believe that God is constantly calling us to discern those questions um, together, not just once, not just once every 10 yeah. years or once every five years, but literally <laughs> constantly. And, you know, that was that was really more congregationally focused work that I absolutely loved. And this whole sort of effort of the presbytery at the time became absolutely real with the establishment of the center in Baltimore. Um, and, and if you don't know, the center is a place in Baltimore 
It's actually a physical location where congregations, particularly young people, um, can travel to learn how to organize themselves as a congregation and to learn how to organize in their communities. And so I have to say that eight years later, I am deeply proud of that work in Baltimore. Um, so, so you were doing the work in Baltimore for at least eight years. Is that 10, 10 years? years. Okay. Yes. 10 years in one presbytery. Yes. Yes. And then I, and then I came here. So here I am almost two years later. <laughs> and, and I think those kind of questions that you were posing before, you know, the ones that you ask congregations, you know, what, what is our purpose here? And would anyone, you know, miss us if, if something were to happen and, and we weren't there anymore? You know, I think those are all the kind of questions that we should have been asking ourselves for a while now. But, you know, I think even more so now during the current situation where we find ourselves. And I think that we can see the work or I see I think we can see the fruits of of the work that you've done being also transferred here to, to us and Hudson River Presbytery as you're helping to guide these conversations and providing the resources for churches as well. Uh, to navigate those those conversations themselves. Well, yeah, yeah, we have to, Casey. We have to ask those questions constantly. And and we, I remember we used to do the fun, most fun thing. We used to do. We used to create a newspaper headline when we would work with congregations. And there was a headline about this terrible fire had taken place in the town of dot dot dot. And the congre- the, the the building of you know First Presbyterian Church of dot 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 has been burnt to the ground. What does the headline read? Mm. You know, what does the headline read? And, and, and who misses you? And what do they miss about you? And, and so, yeah, it's, it, it's something that I deeply believe that we have to constantly be praying about. Yeah. You know, thinking about then those questions are churches and people who are in those churches and the leaders and pastors, you know, and, and tr- now thinking about, how we have those conversations. I, I think it's interesting then to think about what's actually going on here in our Presbytery, Hudson River Presbytery, in regards to um, what is happening program-wise, or but also resource-wise and initiative-wise. Um, you know, I, I know that you and I have talks about uh, the clergy coaching network and the technology grants that have allowed churches and our and worshiping communities and our Presbytery to start, you know, having a reach that they didn't necessarily have before. And I I thought it would be interesting to touch on some of the highlights that are going on that that you have witnessed also of of things that are happening in our our little corner of New York State. Our little corner. Yeah. Well, you know, Hudson River Presbytery established its vision many years ago, right? And it's a good one. And it has seen us. It has seen us through this this latest uh, latest uh, challenge. Um, you know, at its core, it's about creating healthy, vital communities of faith. It's about strong leadership, uh, developing and nurturing strong leadership, and it's about building partnerships. So it serves us well now uh, uh, to 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 could constantly keep our eye on that on that vision of what a presbytery is. Um, and I think, yeah, I know that I was brought here to put legs on that, 
to sort of put legs on it and build a structure that supports that uh, to help us sort of uh, to help us be who we're called to be, uh, be who we say we are. So I've constantly had that in my sights. Folks on the council might say, oh, Lord, does she ever. But I constantly have that in my sights. And I am just so, so, so proud of the leadership of this presbytery and the way it's stepped up over these last uh, few months. You know, um, we have we have been constantly asking ourselves, not not what do you think congregations need? (laughs) We've been asking ourselves what a congregation say that they need, you know, what a congregation's talking about. Uh, clearly, there were a lot of folks in Hudson River Presbytery, ah, sorry, the Presbyterian Church nationally that weren't ready for this abrupt switch that we had to make to live streaming and to recording worship. And uh, we had to ask ourselves, what, you know, what are the roadblocks to this? Why, why, why is this a difficult switch to make? Um, and there, I think there were two, money, <laughs> money and expertise. So we called them connectional grants. We called them connectional grants, not necessarily technology grants, because connection is very contextual in this presbytery. It means different things to in different places. Uh, it could mean a new sign that's on the church lawn that says, this is how we connect now online. It could mean new software. It could mean new hardware. It could mean new training. Um, and, and we just had to make this happen uh, across the board, but different for every single congregation. And now half of them have participated. Well over half of our congregations have participated. And of course, we made the money piece available and uh, we made the expertise piece available because, you know, we, we had the opportunity to remake a job description um, around communications that, that specifically works with congregations. And we were gifted with you, Casey, to, to fill that role that I think is uh, is really been um, quite appreciated across the Presbytery. Well, you know, I, I appreciate you. Uh, pointing out that it was the connectional grants. And I think I default to technology just because that's what <laughs> I've worked with uh, so many congregations right now. I, I think the last number I sent you, it was o- at least over half of our, oh, yeah. our churches, I think. Or, yeah, or, I think or, we're or up to 40 out of, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, for from my own perspective, thinking about what's happening in our in our presbytery now, you know, I have to say to to so many of our our churches and worshiping communities just to see the 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 willingness and i, and I guess the the risk taking that has gone into you know trying these new things whether it be live streaming or you know finding ways to you know use other means of communication to to create worshiping opportunities outdoors or you know uh, and, and just to see how people have really taken that step uh, or a st- leap of faith, I guess you, you could say it also into to trusting that these are new things that will that will have long-term benefits, I think, in forming connections with people, not only in their churches, but um, stretching that definition of, of what is a, a church. You know, it's not just right. the four, <laughs> four walls of a, of a, of a sanctuary. Um, 
And, and so I think those are all amazing things. Hasn't it been yeah. awesome though, to be part of this creativity? I mean, to be able to watch like the ideas that have coming, have been coming out from, from a lot of people and, and churches that, you know, nine months ago would have said, yeah, we'll, we'll be thinking about that stuff soon. <laughs> it, it was always on our to-do list, Indeed. but circumstance Indeed. has forced it to the top of our list. And I, I do have to say that, you know, yes, for for everyone who has stepped up and lived into that, to, to just, you know, and if there's people who maybe feel like they haven't made much progress, to, to just look back to where they were in March and see where they are now. And even if you feel like it wasn't much progress, I mean, it if you were to compare the two, it's such a drastic difference. Uh, in so many in so many different cases I, I i truly believe that and it's so often and true what you just said in life is we're not looking for perfection nobody's looking for perfection the people in your pews are not looking for perfection we're just look you look for progress right you look yeah. for as you just said where were you this time last year it's just uh, it's wonderful it really is it it's is inspirational and, and i think things like the coaching network and i i think Holy cow, I think the the congregational assessment tools that, that have been put out, I mean, those are all things I think that have really given or helped at least give legs to to the vision and mission that that we're talking about here in our Presbyterian and helping to encourage the energies that are in our congregations and worship and communities. Well, you're right. And, you know, the roadblock that that the roadblocks that often stand in the way of pastors moving forward. It's not, it's not necessarily a lack of creativity and it's not a lack of funding, but it's, it's sort of, you get in this place where you can no longer see the forest because of the trees, right? It, it's, it's, um, and that's where coaching comes in. So, so you need to be able to rise above the chaos of the day. And that's the chaos of the day a year ago. The chaos of the de- every day now is is really just uh, uh, challenging. But you need to be able to rise above that and form a plan that and a plan that has a certain amount of accountability to yourself built into that. Um, and that's where coaching comes in. It's it's just a way of maximizing your own potential. Um, yeah, it becomes really critical, I think, during times like these particularly when we don't really feel like we even know where we're going. And, and that's pretty common, pretty common these days. Um, again, HRP leadership stepped up here. They stepped up. They offered to pay for six sessions of coaching, uh, which when you're being coached with by a professional certified ICF certified International Coaching Federation certified coach, um, is not is not a throwaway money. That's that's a significant um, investment that that uh, Hudson River Presbytery is willing to make in its pastors. Uh, so far, we've had fifteen pastors take advantage of this, and it's still open. And we're still uh, very much encouraging our pastors to take advantage of this. There's a uh, listing of quite a few certified, good certified coaches who are on board to to work with pastors if they'd like. Uh, so yeah, um, I you know I speaking for myself, I know I'm one of those people who has yet to take the presbytery up on on this uh, <laughs> offer, and it's one of those things on my to do list. But you know uh, we're talking about vision, and we're talking about investing in that vision, and I you know I'm looking forward to continuing that conversation. 
after we come back from a short break. So we're back from our break. And and again, if you have anything you think would be interesting or something you want to highlight or think would be good for all of us here in Hudson River Presbytery, be sure to reach out and we could, would love to have you on our show to, to talk about it. So, you know, coming back from the break, you know, we were talking before about vision and investing in leadership and in congregations. And I, I love how especially, you know, you, you touched on how nowadays it also seems like we talk about that vision, but it doesn't always seem like we know <laughs> where it is we're going with with this COVID fog and all these other situations we find ourselves wrestling with. And so I, I thought it'd be interesting to sort of, as we move towards the end of, of this episode, to sort of highlight or at least touch on some of of, of what your visions are or what are your hopes, prayers, maybe that's a better way to, to frame it, um, about what your your hopes would be in terms of congregations moving beyond the pandemic in a post-pandemic world. Um, you know, I guess what would some of your words of encouragement or hopes be for visioning congregations after all this begins to settle down? Yeah. Um, I know that's a big question. <laughs> that's, that's okay. Big that's question okay. That's okay. It's, it's probably the one that that's, is on my mind and heart the most, uh, the most over these past few months. But, you know, one of the, one of the things that we have gotten, uh, one of the several things that, that has come out of these last few months is um, our ability to build community between pastors and congregations uh, you know, we've seen how important that is lately to be connected to others in the same place who understand, you know, where we are in this whole thing. Um, and and building community is, is sort of a challenging thing uh, when we meet five times a year in person um, or at a various committee meetings, uh, whatever, but it's, it's, it's a little challenging and surprisingly Surprisingly, Zoom has really facilitated this for us uh, as a as a presbytery. I I venture to say we are more connected than we have ever been before because we've we've had so many gatherings uh, online, sure, but so many different groups. I can't even list them all. Uh, but I think this will serve us well into the future yeah. as, as we're trying to figure out, you know, where is God calling us after, after this, uh, this pandemic? I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we have to ask ourselves uh, as a presbytery, the same questions that congregations have to ask themselves, uh, which is, you know, why is God called us to be here today? What is God calling us to do? So, yeah, and perhaps your that question would be the answer to, to this sort of follow up. But you know, I as someone who's also serving as a pastor and a in a congregation, you know, I think the question that we get asked sometimes by by well intentioned people is, you know, well, why can't we go back to doing things <laughs> the way we did them in in the before times, as I like to call it now, uh, in the before times, you know. Or, or why do we have to make these accommodations for technology? Or, and, and I guess I would just be curious what your suggestions or, or what 
kind of words you would offer up in in response to reframing that kind of a vision for for what the church should be in their minds um yeah haven't we heard that question before and i yeah. believe it was bc then too but <laughs> I, I mean haven't we heard that question before why can't we go back why can't we go back we can't go back uh we're called to go forward that's that's what we're called to do as 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 congregations as people of god as children of god you know the vision for a congregation post pandemic i mean it's when will when will that be yeah <laughs> first of all um but it, i think that congregations uh, congregations need to uh carefully carefully understand what have we learned through this right what what have we learned that's not as important as we thought it was things that maybe weren't as are are not as important today as they might have been two or three years ago uh what have we learned that we need to do better at that, that we need to to do better because our job is to share the word of God, right? That's that's who that's that's what we're supposed to be doing. So how how is it that we are doing that better? And what don't we need anymore? Um, you know, what have we learned about ourselves that that is the essence of who we are in this neighborhood um, during this time? I think. Uh, we're not we're not that that great at just being. Yeah, <laughs> we're not and, very good in the wilderness. <laughs> and you know, and, and I don't want it to I don't want to frame the question in terms of, of pinning any kind of blame on just congregations because I think you know for any kind of church leader as well, this has also been a challenging time in terms of of rethinking what we hold on to being important in a church, and perhaps it's not you know, sticking to every point of a traditional liturgy and there's room to right. be flexible in that kind of creative space that we never had before. That's right. Uh, That's right. I know for myself, it's been uh, a creative outlet to be able to explore things. I think that's true for a lot of places, folks too. I think that's true for a lot of folks. I mean, we're living through this liminal time, right? We're living through this time, even though we've seen countless examples of this throughout the Bible, of, of times where you just need to be, you just need to be with God. Um, our sessions should be discerning this. Our, our leaders should be discerning, not just how do we open safely? How do we, how much sanitizer do we need? How do we need to, but, but we need to discern, uh, you know, where are we now? What do we need to go forward? Who are we now? Uh, those bigger questions that I talked about before, are just as relevant, if not more, right now than they were before. So. Yeah, and I, I love the the imagery of of the wilderness journey still because I think it's so applicable to where we still find ourselves today uh, and <laughs> in, in navigating that. You and know, I, I oh sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, let me just say that I have no doubt that the leadership in this presbytery is going to be walking right alongside with folks as, as they discern these questions. And you had brought up the assessment program before the Holy cow assessment program. Mm -hmm. And just to, that's just a perfect example. Um, 
were continuing to move through that pilot program that we had hoped would have been finished by June, but it, it certainly is not, but it will be finished by the end of the year. And, you know, an assessment program is all, I firmly believe that like any journey, you, you can't know where you're going until you know where you are. So you have to have a, a beginning place uh, and where we all are uh, may not be where we think we are. So, so we're continuing our goal to resource um, all of Hudson River congregations through the assessment process and, and, and more importantly, through the interpretation of that and the follow through with those, with those assessments. Um, we are we are continuing to do that, and I think on another level, Casey, and this involves you as well. I, we've really, and perhaps congregations as well, have learned how important communication is. Right? You know how yeah. how important communication through more than one way. You know, various means, various platforms. Uh, you know, various uh, uh, types of communicating is important to stay in community with each other, with the people in our pews, right? It is. It is. Well, we're hoping it, with your help that uh, <laughs> that we, you know, that we, we're, as a presbytery, clearly communicating who we are, you know, how we see the work of a presbytery. Uh, I think this is an exciting new way to do that. This is this is a really great way to do that. And we're going to continue to do this. We're going to continue building cohorts. We're going to continue the clergy Zooms and the various Zooms. Um, we're going to continue working with congregations uh, toward their financial health. Um, even as we steward our funds, uh, the presbyteries funds, uh, which are entrusted to us to work toward our vision. So we're, we're trying to shore up that structure as best we can so that the co- congregations in Hudson River can thrive. Yeah, so I, I think that's all good. And I would also like to say that, yeah, if you still have not reached out to me to talk about ways that you can uh, multiply or, you know, expand your ways of communication right now, uh, you can email me at Casey at HudworthPrez.org, and I would love to set up a time to either uh, come down in person or uh, uh, do a Zoom call. Though if we do in person, I'm hoping to organize a cohorts or groups that I could visit in right. one day. Because as as you probably have learned, Deb, Deb uh, Hudson River is bigger than what I thought it was <laughs> originally size-wise. So, uh, but, but please still reach out to me, though, because I would love to get in touch with you. And uh, Deb, I think... You know, we ha- well, I've really enjoyed uh, having you on as the first guest of this podcast, which hopes to aim at captivating everything or capturing everything that's going on in our presbytery. And I thought I would give you the last word if you have any words you just want to offer up well, thank- um, to give you that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have enough words yet, Casey. I have a lot yeah. of words here. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I just get so excited when I talk about uh you know, the vision of this presbytery and where we're going to go. It, it's it's going to be something. And I don't know what that something is. I don't think anybody does. But we will, New and exciting things, I, I'm pretty indeed, sure. New indeed, indeed. But we will yeah. figure it out together, right? 
we'll figure we it will. out together. That's the that's the best we can do is walk together on this path to wherever God is leading us. And I'm excited about that. So thank you for this. This was really great. And I really look forward yeah. to all the other folks that are are going to be interviewed on your on your new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And well, then on that note, thank you, Deb, once again for coming on. And I'm sure that we'll have you on again at some point in the future, because uh, as it sounds like, there's so much that's happening in our presbytery right now. And uh, I'm sure that we'll have you back on again. But thank you for joining us uh, today. You. Don't forget that Rivers of Faith aims to highlight all the wonderful things that are going on in Hudson River Presbytery. So if there's something on your mind, something you would like to share or lift up, feel free to reach out to me at casey at hudrivpres.org. Till next time.